we're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You and some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yosemite booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. All right. Welcome to Entitled Town, everybody. You got your boy Shaq here. Um, I don't know if I'm Wally Pipping anybody, but I know that John and Mike are on a jet plane to somewhere. Uh, maybe he decided, maybe Mike decided to suspend the suspension that John had earlier this, earlier in the month <laughs> and decided to spend that with Mike. But anyhow, um, we've got Dan here and we've got Scartsy here and we're going to chug on as much as we possibly can because, well, in a few days, football is going to be here. So, and that's always a good thing. But before we get into that, we, we have to talk about what's happening well what happened in the last few weeks and especially this week and i'm going to start with actually i'm going to start with you uh Skartsy, regarding cam newton and his departure as 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 kindly as i can put a, a departure um first of all your initial reaction because i know you and mike had a uh, had a, a a negative opinion towards Cam in whatever manner that might have been. So I'll, just about just your thoughts on this whole ordeal and where we've led it up to this point. Well, I we closed out basically the pod, our last podcast discussing who we thought was going to be the starter. And I, I made the prediction that <laughs> week one Cam would be the starter. And I would like to say, borrowing a deathless phrase, I was right at the time. Never vouch, ever. That's right. Within 24 hours, he's got his walking papers, and that's that. It's one of those things that you can just, uh, we can all hear the boilerplate uh, Belichick phrases there that he's doing what he's doing for, you know, to give his team the best chance to win. And we, um, we're going to have to go with that. That seems to be why he's going with a uh, rookie starter over a nominally experienced veteran, although the experience of running the team last year really didn't uh, really didn't pan out the way I'm sure uh, Coach Belichick did, the way that uh, Cam Newton wanted, the way that the fans wanted, and there was a there was a lot of things that went on in those uh, in those final ten days or so. There was the um, there was the COVID test misunderstanding, which may have been the uh, last straw, which isn't the same thing as getting rid of someone because they're not vaccinated. And we'll get into that later. And just, it's, uh, well, if uh, I'm, I'm excited for the future is what it comes down to, but anyone who uh, was surprised that uh, Bill Belichick would do this, hasn't been paying attention. They're like the old uh, French aristocracy. They've forgotten nothing and learned nothing. What have we? Uh, what have we seen over the past twenty years? Everyone's like, you know, Bill never does this until he does it. 
the, oh, uh, Bill's never going to keep Brady as a starter. Bill's never going to uh, trade Bledsoe within the division. Bill's not going to acquire Randy Moss. Why would he do that? You know, he's not going to trade Richard Seymour to Oakland. Bill is not going to get that big, crazy head Antonio Brown. So just put that out of your mind. And it's, it, all these things, would, anyone who's surprised by what Bill does doesn't understand what Bill does. Skirtsy, it seems like you took my brain and just shoved it into yours and started talking because I, that was the exact question I was going to lead Dan into, <laughs> which is that, isn't it funny how many Belichick narratives, and you talked about this on, on Twitter uh, earlier in the week, isn't it funny how many Belichick narratives have been squashed with this Cam Newton uh, situation about how he plays favorites and he does all of his things and he he wants his ego to show that he's better than all of us and he knows more than all of us. Isn't, isn't it funny how all those narratives have just been squashed like a bug? Well, they're squashed until the next time that they'll come up again. They'll be completely forgotten. They'll go down the memory hole. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the mantra. Surely Belichick would never do this until he goes and does it. Uh, the, the, the Randy Moss one was a good one. I've totally forgot about that, about how uh, before they even were considering Moss coming in, um, I remember a, a time that Belichick was on WEI and Pete Shepard was talking about Randy Moss. And he said, just that, surely you'd never, never get Randy Moss, would you? And Belichick said, why not? <laughs> and it was just kind of left in the air there. And then like a year later, they, they got Randy Moss. Um, as far as Cam goes, um, it's, it's tough because he's, he's a guy that you wanted to root for. He seemed like a genuinely good guy, and you were hoping things would come around. But the, the throwing mechanics never really developed, and it, it didn't seem uh, like he was mastering the offense this year like you, you would hope after, after one year. Um, I, I went back and watched some games from last year, games that the Patriots won towards the end of the year. They like the, the, the Chargers blow out or the Cardinals win. And, and Cam wasn't the reason for those wins. It was, it was other reasons. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sad a little bit to see a guy go, but I'm excited to have a quarterback, rookie warts and all, that's who's going to get the ball out in time and has some touch and accuracy and, and seems to have a good understanding already of the offense. Yeah, it was it was definitely a shock. I'll be honest. When the when Jim McBride first reported it, it was kind of like a wow, and then it was like a yep. <laughs> that that was my total reaction. It was like it, it was shock, and then it was yeah. I I I knew it was going to happen that fast. Maybe not necessarily, but boy. <laughs> now we're gonna now we're gonna go into the reactions after the news came out and. I mean, there's always, there's always the idiots who are going to come out and want to talk about how much, you know, whether it was Cam or whether it was Bill, you know, the clip that just came out, I, I guess, yesterday, um, you know, Mitten, Mittens Dolling Volen uh, retweeting that video about Cam looking distressed at Josh McDaniels, whatever that is. I, I haven't even paid attention to any of that because Cam is a Patriot anymore and I could care less, but the reactions were just so over the top and it was none, none more. Speaking of though, Mittens of Owen, um, his reactions regarding Cam were so funny because he had tweeted out something, I think a day before the news came out that he got cut. It was like, wow, uh, Belichick, uh, 
It's noteworthy. Oh, here's a tweet. Certainly noteworthy that Bill Belichick, who regularly sends players home if they show up in a snowstorm, because he overslept, didn't seem to punish Cam Newton for missing three days of practice last week due to a quote misunderstanding. I mean, how dumb can you possibly be? <laughs> like, does he think Cam was sleeping for three days? Does he think like he was a, a mummy? <laughs> I don't understand it. But Scarty, can you help me out with with, with what he's what he's trying to say as far as this? And of course, he wound up being wrong because he wound up being cut anyway. Oh, exactly. The great thing, you know, he's got the. Uh... Got the memory of a goldfish, which is helpful if you're, you know, a stupid idiot head. A, a, a goldfish cracker, or not, not the real goldfish? Potato, potato. <laughs> and the, the goldfish potato crackers, delicious. But any which way, the I think he's, you know, going back to I think the you know ill uh, ill fated 2009 season with uh, Dalius Thomas and the snowstorm. Uh, snowstorm business where he couldn't get to the uh couldn't get to the practice field because uh just i don't know the roads were impassable or some such thing i think that was brandon and, spikes if i'm not mistaken but yeah. oh, there, there's, there's there's a couple, oh, there's folks a couple who of have wound them. up okay, uh, wound yeah. up you know temporarily or permanently in the doghouse <laughs> for not being able to not being able to follow team rules and yeah, like I like I alluded to earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the last straw with Belichick. That it just wasn't uh, just wasn't going to be worth the uh, worth the effort to keep him here. Just even as you know, a possible even maybe maybe the starter, maybe the backup for the first uh, month of the season. It was just time to uh, just time to cut bait, as it were. And we've uh, again we've seen. We've seen Belichick cut veterans, so this is this is nothing new, nothing to be terribly surprised about after the initial shock, like like, like you said that it was, uh, wow, and then uh huh, yep, Bill is Bill again. Uh, Dan, we're, we're we're gonna get more into Volman has done this in a moment, but I just want you to uh, expound on on this portion of his idiocy as far as as him thinking that Bill Belichick spouses out uh, punishments for who he sees fit. This, this is what I think he's trying to say. You know, we, we, we were back and forth on this. I think you guys even talked about it in the pod last week about which is it with Volan? Is, is, it, is it that he's dumb or is it that he's malicious? And we were arguing on, on, on the thread whether it, it's a little bit of both. You know, you don't, one doesn't have to be a prerequisite. You don't have to be smart to it's being smart isn't a prerequisite to being malicious. But no, he's, he's going to try to find any angle that he can to spin it. That's, that's his agenda every single time, whether it's uh, on his Twitter feed, whether it's in his columns, whether it's his uh, radio appearances. That's, that's the angle that he is always going to take. Yeah, like Mike likes to say, he's a disingenuous, duplicitous asshole. And I think that it sums him up perfectly. And now we're going to talk about Probably, and and he he's made a lot of stupid tweets, but this one is just it's. I think I would say this is a very harmful tweet, and it it not only is it harmful, it it paints Bill Belichick in a light that well, some people may think that it, it already exists, but for others, I think that it just yeah. I, I think I think it just reiterates how how much of a of a of a of a, 
of a of a crazy of a crazy sort of thing that it has to that you have to push the narrative that Bill Belichick is mean to us, so that means that you you have to think that he's mean to you as well. So um, Bill Belichick had a press conference um, in regards to the Cam Newton story, and I mean it, the media just went absolutely crazy about it. And I'm going to find that tweet, and it, it says. Uh, he post he first the first tweet he posts a quote regarding what Belichick said about uh, bringing Cam Newton back as an option, and he says I'm not going to go through all the different things with any player on that. We'll just leave it the way it is and go from there. And then he's asked if his if Cam Newton's vaccination status played a role in his release, and then he says, No, you guys keep talking about that. And I would just point out that the number of players and coaches and staff members that have been affected by COVID in this training camp who have been vaccinated is a pretty high number. I wouldn't lose sight of that. And then <laughs> the tweet that was heard around the world, uh, the Mittens guy with his ovens hands tweets out, NFL rules prevent Belichick from saying that vaccination status plays a role in roster decisions as Urban Meyer is learning. But Belichick took things a step further this morning by expressing doubts in the efficiency of the vaccines. And my goodness, if he was Jackie Joyner Kersey or one of those Olympic uh, high jumpers, he'd win the gold medal. Because my God, what a huge leap that is. I mean, he, <laughs> if you read the quote, he said people can still test positive. The efficiency of the vaccine is it's it's measured in the reduction of hospitals, of deaths, and transmission to a certain extent. So him, Belichick saying people can still get it is the absolute truth, and that and it's happened. And it still impacts the football team, whether they're vaccinated or they're not. But the fact that, I, and it wasn't just Ben Bowen in this case, Judy Batista, who, you know, she's a show for the NFL, clearly. She, uh, posts a video clip of a doctor who she says debunks Bill Belichick when he doesn't debunk him. He reiterates everything that he said. So either it's intentional misrepresentation of his words in order to further their shitty narratives, which I say yes, or they completely misunderstand Bill Belichick's point and they're just paid to do that, which I also say yes. <laughs> um, where do you fall on this, uh, Dan? I, I fall on both sides on this. I'm like, they're willfully obtuse and ignorant. And I think both is just very harmful and it's it doesn't make any sense. But what do you think? No, absolutely. I agree. I mean, uh, Mittens came out and straight up lied. And then that became the narrative that people took. Uh, Volan's interpretation of what Belichick said rather than what Belichick actually said. And then when the Patriots came back out and had a clarification, not that they really needed it, but when they had a clarification, he doubled down again just today, still kept going with it. And uh, you also had Greg Bedard, who uh, said, literally, he said, Belichick uh, basically flat out lied about the effectiveness of the vaccine and how it relates to NFL locker rooms. And that wasn't the case. Belichick never questioned the efficacy of the vaccines. Um, there was one thing with what Belichick said that I, I'll give the media a little bit of a pass on because at the tail end of his first statement, he said, your implication that vaccination solves every problem, I would say that has not been substantiated. 
And you could argue, okay, that's that's a straw man from Belichick that nobody's actually said, nobody in the media has said, oh, the vaccine solves every problem. But I'm, I was reading um, Dan Shaughnessy's column for some unknown reason. And he, oh, brings, up, he, <laughs> he brings up that point. And then he comes back and he says, rubbish. No one has said vaccine solve every problem. That's true. You know, point for, for Shaughnessy. Then he turns around and says, a Belichick confidant insisted to me that the coach was not discouraging vaccination. Well, that's certainly what it sounded like. And it's like, well, that's Shaughnessy saying that my straw man holds, but your straw man doesn't. Yeah, and Skarts, I mean, I, I think this borderlines on slander. I mean, the devastating leap of logic that he took. Um, it, again, what do you think? Is it intentional or a blithering idiot? Well, I think it could be a combination thereof. It could be that he was just a blithering idiot, but uh, everyone who decided to be the third, fourth, fifth man in on this, they, they knew what he was talking about, that he was talking about uh, talking about the talking about doesn't solve everything. It doesn't solve all the personnel decisions that a coach has to go through during this time of where there, there, there's still a, uh, still a ongoing pandemic. Anyone who, you know, heard that and understood the context of where that was coming from knew, knew what he was talking about and to take it out of context. That's like you say, it's a, it's darn near slanderous, but uh but like you say, every, everyone uh, everyone jumped in on that. Uh, Shaughnessy, Batista, Tommy Curran for uh, for a couple minutes before uh, yeah. I think he uh, realized that he was wrong on that. Uh, it's 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 going to. I, I I don't look forward to things like this continuing through the uh, through the season, but I have to uh, I have to be ready for it. Unfortunately, because there's a. Uh, there's a certain element in the local media who, you know, like to see uh, Coach Belichick taken down a peg through any means necessary. Mike Florio was a big purveyor of it, too. He was trying to push that as well. Um, they're all being intellectually dishonest, with the exception of Volan. He's just being dishonest. <laughs> dishonest with the capital D-I, and we can follow the other ones. Uh, but yeah, going back to what you mentioned, Dan, about Bedard, um, it wasn't just the uh, the little blurbs that were unfortunate to be to have dispersed on our timelines, thanks to Mike um, and his you know his little elves. It's also it's also this show called Boston Sports Beat, whatever that is, on uh, CLNS Media, where Bedard was also invited to spread his smears all over. Belichick and whoever wanted to listen. Um, it's interesting. There was uh, this host. I don't I have no idea who he is, but he seems like a freaking douche. Um, John's, uh, I don't know what his name is, but, and he doesn't deserve to have his name named correctly because he's a douche, but he was just on there and had Bedard and just, a, I, and then we were talking about it in the, in the thread earlier in the week when the show initially came out. Um, Mike just wanted to, Mike was really pissed off and he had a right to be because I'm, I'm going to play some of it and I haven't listened, I'll be frank, I haven't listened to all of it, 
Um, I did download it because the per uh, Sean McAdam who tweeted it deleted the tweet immediately as soon as he started getting um, some smoke from a lot of tweeters. But you know, no, the internet is forever, you old people. But um, I do want to play some of this because. I think it's just absolutely disingenuous. So here we go. I'm going to play this. Belichick on the quarterback decision. This is the number one story uh, for all of uh, training camp. Uh, finally have a resolution, a shocking, you know, for some people, uh, decision to cut the veteran Cam Newton, go with the rookie to start. And this to me was a freaking layup for Bill. It's so easy to say, Max done some things really well. Uh, some things he needs to improve on. We like a lot that we see, but, you know, we've all got to focus on Miami and flowery things about Cam Newton on a send-off, which he's done a million times before when he lets a respected veteran go or a player who they like. Yeah, I'm sure Bill Belichick's going to take advice from somebody named John Zanis. Who the hell are you? Next. He did none of those things. Uh, what do you think was behind that? What motivated him? I have my theories, but I want to hear yours because I, I, you, I, I was following you on you know Twitter right afterwards. You're like, that was freaking weird. Well, what's going on? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a great question, John. I mean, I asked people in the building and they're like, who the hell knows? It's Bill. <laughs> like, okay, who did you ask in the building? The janitor? The Chick-fil-A the, the, the guy? Like, you know nobody in that building. Next. You know, they don't even know. They're like, you know, because I, I didn't understand what the heck that was. And, <laughs> you know, the, it, yeah, we know you don't understand anything. And that's the thing. You know, you talk about, you know, you said, I have my theories. You have your theories. That's what Bill gives oxygen to. All these theories where he didn't need to do that. Now we need to talk about probably a bunch of stuff that that, that amounts to nonsense. But, you know, look, you can bring up a couple different theories from this. You could say, you know, because Bill looked in a pretty pissy mood, if you ask me, this morning. And that could indicate that, he didn't want to make this decision that maybe somebody like the crafts forced him into it or that because cam Newton and that ladies and gentlemen that's where you've gotten the meme and the 98 five the sports clan uh topics about bill being forced to go with mac jones not through his own volition but through the volition of craft and everybody else this is where you got it from this is this is where it came from so thanks bedard thanks for that i'll play i'll play one more little bitty of this Newton, you know, wouldn't get vaccinated. It forced Bill's hand. And, you know, he said it didn't have anything to do with vaccination. I doubt that's entirely the case. Uh, you know, it could also be that when Bill told Cam that they were going with Mac Jones, that Cam basically told Bill to go screw himself. And Bill was ticked off about it. And it could mean that Cam Newton could be coming back at some point. I mean, who the <laughs> Wow. I... I have no, I have no words, guys. I, I just, and it goes on. I, 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 I recommend if, if you, if you don't want, if you don't want to, uh, well, you can't find it actually because you can't watch it because again, the tweet's deleted. But um, anyone, if you want to respond to this, because I, I have no words. It's a shame that uh, Bedard's mind reading ability is causing him to lose that uh, beautiful head of hair. <laughs> it was a cheap shot, Mr. and Myers. I took it anyway. <laughs> he doesn't know what Bill thinks. That, that, that's as that's as you know, plain as the nose on my face here. It's the idea, and then like you say, he's setting up the predicate that if if Mac is successful early or late, that oh, that's just because Kraft wanted him here. 
It wasn't Bill's doing. It's just a whole other way of, you know, minimizing the minimizing the effect that the, you know, best coach in the business brings to the team. And that's just low. I got a kick out of the uh, quote unquote host. Let's say was his name Zanis as in Zanis. his list. He had something, I don't think that was part of the uh, the clips he had there, but he had one later where the he had some balls where the, the premise of his statement was that how come Belichick can't come out and just say, yeah, you guys are right. I finally see the things that you saw in cam. I now can admit it. That, that was the premise of his, of, of his statement. Just ballsy. It, it's so disgusting. And, but again, the show's deleted. So it's clear that he was that, that whoever, whoever was, you know, giving him smoke and tweeting at tweeting at this show, uh, people people were getting pissed off and rightfully so because if you listen to, to the rest of the show it was just really disgusting but the actions uh, of a guilty mind if you ask yep, me yep exactly they what, they what are they hiding they can't handle the heat cupcakes um they destroyed the copy of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're, they're gonna they're gonna come out with the bedard report.com but uh Let's, let's, well, not necessarily switch gears, but yeah, this is, I guess, a lighter topic in regards to, you know, just somebody who is irrelevant, who wants to be relevant. Um, you have Asante Samuel coming out, you know, in the midst of all of this Cam Newton uh, being cut, you had, like I said earlier, a whole bunch of crazy takes. And this crazy takes comes from uh, a crazy guy named Asante Samuel. We all remember Asante Samuel. He of the uh, dropped interception that could have clinched a 19-0 season for the 2007 New England Patriots. Um, and this take of his actually got him on first take on ESPN, which I guess maybe that was his goal. But his basically his opinion if you can call it an opinion is you know just the usual oh Belichick wasn't anything without Brady all this nonsense without Brady he is just another coach in my opinion that's his take on this and and obviously he got a lot of smoke out of that because he was quote tweeted and he was commented out the wazoo and pretty much Everyone was saying, you have no room to talk because of you dropping the football, literally. And But really, my take on this is, yeah, he's a disgruntled player. And this is not the first disgruntled player who's come out against Belichick and has come out against, oh, he, he, he's this and he's that. You know, Danny Amendola and uh, Cassius Marsh, you know, they, these, and just notice the guys like that who've come out. And notice the guys who've come out for Belichick, you know, guys like Teddy Bruschi, Willie McGinnis, you know, the, the Randy Moss, the tops of the tops, Julian Edelman, who are now in media. Asante Samuel isn't even, he doesn't even have a job in media, but he there, but these guys are, and they've had positive opinions on him. So I think his take really, I think what it does is. It down, not only does it downgrade Belichick, which I think that's what he wants to do, but he doesn't realize that it's downgrading all the players that he played with, all of his teammates, his defensive, the defensive players, and the offensive players for that matter. 
So, uh, Scarcy, what do you think about this? Um, is he just uh, should he get paid? And as he as he wanted as he said on his on his neck, you know, anybody who gets a neck tattoo is is you know one one French fry short of a happy meal. There's no way to sugarcoat this. Asante is a fucking ingrate. <laughs> yep. And he should paint his face like the clown he is. Get a, yeah, get away from, you know, I'm going to turn off the radio now early. Yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, it's a pretty foolish thing to say. Nobody, nobody agrees with him or those that do don't know what they're talking about either. That's, I, I have a, is it just sour grapes? I mean, does this go back to like the contract holdout in the summer of 2007? He only made himself look bad in that. I don't think that's going to lead him, other than getting a little bit of, uh, you know, obviously it got played because here's the former player and somebody, they're going to repeat it, but that's it. This isn't going to get him any, any contracts or anything. Yeah, just like Bedard. I had no clue. So... Yeah, he has no clue about anything. So it's just a weird take that he had. And, you know, he'll, you know, he'll get it. I'm sure he'll get a show on ESPN because if you talk negative about the Patriots, that's basically your ticket in. Um, you know, Mark Brunel cried on national television against the Patriots. So, you know, as long as you're doing that, you'll have a job. So it is what it is in that regard. Uh, so now let's, why don't we talk about some good things? Because the NFL season is here, finally. And the Patriots are about to kick off on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. And it, it, it now, I think, I think I was excited before all of this. But now I think I'm doubly excited. Now that I think we all know <laughs> that we don't have to worry about <laughs> a passer who will be throwing to, you know, the ground. So I think I'm really excited for the season. I'm really excited to see uh, the players who, especially the new guys, and I said this on the last podcast, the new guys who are um, not new to the team, but not, but they're veterans to the league. And so they're going to be bringing that in, you know, the Jonas Smiths, the, the Hunter Henrys of the world, uh, they just came out with a tweet that said like they're pushing each other to, you know, working out and calling themselves alpha dogs. You know, it's that type of camaraderie that's building as a season progresses. So, Dan, I, I want to know what your thoughts on not just, well, the Miami game in particular, but also the season and how you think the team is going to uh, progress as the season as the season goes on. I don't remember being this excited for a couple of years now, and it certainly wasn't like this going into 2019. You could feel that they were just that old team still trying to hold on. Last year had COVID. Last year had had Cam, and they were trying to work things out. I I, I don't think I've been this excited for a long time. Uh, just like you said, all all the different things working out between the people that got in free agency and drafting uh, Jones and actually putting him in the starters role. Uh, this Miami game, I really don't know what to expect because there's talent on that team that uh, you know that there's going to be some stinkers from Mac Jones, uh, possibly even this opener. But I, I have a lot of faith in the coaching staff. Um, and I, I just can't wait for, to see the front seven. That's my big thing. I want, I, I want to see their coming out party. This is going to be a very special group. And that, that applies to the whole season. I'm, I'm, I think they're going to be up there in sacks 
uh, amongst the SAC leader, leaders in the NFL. The Judon Uche uh, tandem is is one that you know has my tenth up, for lack of a better term. <laughs> but uh, Scarcy, uh, what do you think about uh, the the overall overall expectations? I would say as far as the season's going around, because I think you know, and as as Belichick has constantly said, the first four weeks of the season are test seat, test weeks. You know, just to get the kinks out, just to see what's going on. So. Um, I'm not saying to expect a lot, but what do you think about what's, what the future holds and the present? The present and the future, there's it's, it's, it's Timbuk three here. The future is so bright. We got to wear shades. <laughs> it's, it's the, the defense is going to be something, something admirable, something amazing to watch, I think. And we have, and the, there's a real good chance that this offense can click. We haven't seen all the players out there at the same time, basically. So it's, it's, I'm, it's like, uh, it's like Dan said, it could be any number of, uh, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot to be optimistic about a lot to be excited about. This is, this is, you know, the most excited we've been in you know, a bunch of years. And, uh, and that's a good thing. It's a great thing. And I'm, <laughs> again, I'll, I'll be honest, if it was Cam Newton, I'd, I'd have that, you know, feeling in, in my, in the pit of my stomach that, oh, this isn't going to go well. And I don't want to, I didn't want to feel that feeling, but I just couldn't help it. <laughs> Especially, and I'm trying to imagine myself on that Sunday, and I know I would feel that feeling. And I, I, I just, I feel bad that I would feel that way, but I guess I can't now. So it was like going to work at a job you hate every Sunday for, for several <laughs> weeks last year. And it, I don't think anyone can blame, you know, Patriots fans for, you know, not wanting to live through that for the first uh, month, two months of the season, this, this season. And one more thing about, about this offense. Um, I'm all, for, uh, listen, I'm on the tr running backs train and Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, JJ Taylor. I, you know, the three-headed uh, Medusa monster. I'm really excited for that. And, and in tandem with this offensive line, that's also been rejuvenated with David Andrews back and Michael Owenu and Trent Brown. I'm really excited for, I'm just, yeah. You can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm, Sunday is going to be a great day. Um, and so with that, I think we can go to an, an email and if those of you who are regulars to Entitled Town, I think you can expect the name I'm about to say right now. <laughs> Our friend Vinny Jace, he always emails us and we appreciate it. Um, he wants to know about a book recommendation regarding the Patriots and Bill Belichick. Um, and he said that he's read Education of a Coach, which is a great book to read regarding that. And I, I would say it's the book to read in regards to Belichick and the Patriots. But uh, what do you have to say, Dan, about uh, any recommendations about <laughs> any books there? I, I would I, I can tell you the books to not recommend uh, no. one, one the, the ones by uh, Wickersh Wickershit and uh, ones by uh, who, who, who I don't know who wrote that other book. Uh, I forget. Well, I'm mostly going to talk about like the, the more recent ones. I mean, some of the ones from the first era of the dynasty there, uh, Michael Hawley put out a couple that were interesting. You mentioned the education. Patriot, of the Patriot Rain, the, the, the blueprint from Christopher Price. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, Chris Price. That's a great one. Actually, that's a fantastic one. Um, Pepper Johnson had one that I thought had some interesting stuff because he was telling it from the inside a little bit more. But of the more recent ones, uh, I, I only have like two that I would recommend. Most are like lukewarm or don't recommend. But definitely recommend uh, Big Game by Mark Leibovich. Um, I thought he had pretty good access and he wrote fairly. I, I think he could smell some of the BS that might've been coming from the crafts as, as he was doing it. So he wasn't taken in by it. Um, and he reinforced uh, uh, something about Robert Kraft that Kraft probably doesn't like, just how socially needy he is. Um, but he, I, I was very impressed with that one. Uh, a lukewarm recommend would be The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict. The problem with this one is just how much of a Kraft uh, hagiography it is. Um, like there's some things that sound really apocryphal. There's a story in there about Jonathan, Qua uh, Jonathan Kraft questioning Parcells in the first couple of days on the salary cap. What about the salary cap? Shouldn't we be considering that? It just doesn't, it, it doesn't pass the smell test. And there's other things where Kraft's name dropping stories of the people he meets, movie stars, and et cetera. And it just sounds, I, I, I think a, a caveat with any of these books is that um, there's few, if any, that have true interviews with Belichick. So from the uh, vantage point, you're, you're always either getting a vantage point, mostly from the Crafts, or, or in some cases from Brady. Um, the Dynasty had, had some Brady stuff. Um, one I don't re recommend <laughs> is uh, 12, the inside story of Tom Brady's fight for redemption. That was one that was like a rush job uh, to try to get something out about deflate gate and the Brady stuff they had, what, there was nothing insider. All he talked about was, you know, game stories from 2016. Um, he had some things that were making heroes out of, uh, uh, the, uh, the NFL PA couple there. It, it even sounded like it was re ready made for a movie. And this, this was one that had that anecdote, that little personal anecdote about Belichick, uh, in Nantucket having a tire gauge in his pocket. So that thereby disproving that Belichick didn't understand uh, about ball PSI. Um, oh, one more, uh, Jerry Thornton's book from Di uh, Darkness to Dynasty. Um, haven't quite finished that one yet, but that, that's a really good read, especially on all the eras, some of the craziness that went on. I think he tells it very, very well. But like you said, mostly stay away from Seth Wickersham. That one's not till out. That one, uh, he's got one coming out in October called uh, "It's Better to Be Feared." It, I mean, it's not till October, but come on, it's it's Wickersham. The guy goes in with an agenda and then shapes his reporting to it. So you don't expect a fair shake. I'll I'll read that one so you guys so I can tell you what you shouldn't be reading. Yeah, you read so we don't have to, and I won't. So I refuse to give that any type of attention. Uh, any books for you, Scartsy? I can agree with the uh, the Chris Price book and uh, the Holly books, although uh, a lot of the times the insight is stuff that uh, Holly didn't even realize he was giving as insight. But that's uh, sometimes that happens, and it's a, it's a, it's a fortunate thing. And I'm not haven't read a bunch of the other ones, so you know I'm not going to uh, not going to say one way or the other. Except on the, uh, except of course on the Wickersham stuff, which is just you know a must avoid. Yeah, definitely a must avoid. Always avoid. 
So yeah, never vouch and always never vouch for those. So uh, yeah, I think that's a podcast. But before we go, we'd be remiss if we did not talk about the unfortunate passing of the chief, David Patton, um, number 86 in your play, in your programs, but number one in our hearts, especially from the original Dynasty, Dynasty 1.0. Uh, it uh, was a really shocking, shocking death, uh, motorcycle accident. Um, those are just, whew, those are just really, really, uh, really, really sad the way that happened. But, uh, but before we go, I want to know you guys' uh, favorite memories on David Patton, because he had certainly had a few of them. And I'm going to play a little clip uh, before we go. But uh, before that, I want to know uh, from you, Dan, What's your uh, David Patton memory? You know, the fun of that 2001 team and, and some of the, the early dynasty teams was how it was winning with parts that people all deemed expendable. Um, there was a quote just before the 2001 season from the late uh, Joel Bushbaum, where he labeled the Patriots the team that's most set up for failure for the next five years. And, and I remember how fans going in, they thought that that team could only win with Bledsoe and Cherry Glenn, and once one and then the other one were no longer factors that year. Many were given up on the season, but, but they kept winning with the likes of David Patton and Troy Brown and Antoine Smith and, of course, Tom Brady. And, and it was only after the fact that people realized that those guys were the Belichick-type players, not Bledsoe and Glenn. I, uh, David Patton was a testament to what can be accomplished with hard work and a sterling attitude and he ended up having the kind of career that Terry Glenn could only dream of. Yeah, an amazing career. And it's, yeah. And he'll forever be known as the guy in the record books who caught Tom Brady's first pass. So first uh, touchdown pass, I believe. So, yeah. So, he's, and uh, Scarcy, what, what do you, what was, what was your uh, favorite uh, David Pat memory? You got a one and a one A. Well, actually, okay. Well, it's not everyone who has, you know, two. Uh, not everyone gets one amazing corner of the end zone acrobatic catch. And he had two of them. One of them was in the Super Bowl. One was in the playoff game, you know, right uh, right ahead of that, if I believe it was correct. It was just, you know, just, just run that play again, which, you know, we know that uh, Coach Belichick likes to do. And, of course, the infamous uh, Buffalo game where he, somehow maintained possession of the ball despite being knocked unconscious and out of bounds. That, <laughs> that's, that, 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 that you give, and, you know, they go on to win that game because of the, uh, the call that was made because the ball was on him while he was knocked unconscious. It's a, uh, he's a, uh, he'll be greatly missed. Certainly will. And yeah, that's my memory. Too. Uh, and also, the Colts game is my fondest memory. And actually, uh, the, the Super Bowl touchdown wasn't my favorite touchdown. It was the AFC Championship game touchdown that was my favorite. And I believe that the reason why was because that, you know, that uh, tumbling catch in the back of the end zone, I pretended to do that as a child for the longest time. Obviously, I didn't get it. But it was just so cool and looked so awesome that I wanted to do that. But um, I remember as a... I believe in 2001, I was, 11, no, I was 12, 13. So um, the, the Colts back then, the Patriots were two and three. The Colts 
uh, Manning was already a seasoned veteran. I think I was his fourth year and he was already one of the league's best. And, you know, that, that David Patton game, I mean, I call it the David Patton game because that's what happened. And this I'm going to play was, uh, well, thanks to 98.5, the sports clan for actually making a good clip. So I'm going to play that right now. Um, A compilation of his greatest, David Patton's greatest uh, touchdowns and by the great Bill Santos. Brady the pitch, it's the end around. Coming to David Patton to the 30. Painting right to the 25, 20, 8, 15, 10, 5, in, touchdown! David Patton, an end around on the first play from scrimmage for the Patriots, and they jump out on top, and the crowd in Indianapolis is stunned. Brady, back to throw, looks, shoots it long and deep, and caught at the 50-40, going all the way for a touchdown. David Patton, 81-yard touchdown pass. It's a quick screen to the left, and Patton's going to throw the football, shoots it long and deep, Troy Brown, he's got it, he's in, touchdown! Hand off to no one. Play action fake to the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, David Patton. His fourth touchdown of the game. Brady quick drop back. Rolls to his right. Pump fakes. Now looks. Now throws to the right. It is caught at the 40-yard line of the Buffalo Bills and a fumble on the play. There was a catch. The ball was fumbled. However, while the receiver's head was touching out of bounds, he was in contact with the ball, making that out of bounds. New England will keep the ball. All right. 41 yards. That's what I was wondering. Whoa. What a break. Let's go out of a shotgun. Redmond to his left in the backfield. In motion left to right is Charles Johnson. Direct snap to Drew. Back to throw. Looks. Fires open. Touchdown. Touchdown by Drew Bledsoe. His first touchdown pass of the season here in the AFC Championship game. Completed in the far corner of the end zone to David Patton. Redman is the running back offset right. Slot to the near side left, Troy Brown. Patton to the far side right. Brady first and goal. St. Louis eight-yard line. Brady drops back to throw. Looks. Fires right. Touchdown, David Patton! Touchdown, David Patton! Eight-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady. What'd I tell you? 31 seconds to go in the half, and the Pats score their second touchdown. Love the second quarter. It's so awesome. I love that. Uh, and that's what I miss most about Bill Santos. I hate you, Scott Zolak. But, um, and really what I take away from that is going back to what Asante Samuel said, you really want to take the success of that type of a player away when you say stuff like that. And I think that that is doing a disservice to a guy like David Patton. And um, in his post-playing career, he's inspired so many people through his insights spiritually and his community service and activism and he's he's going to leave uh, he leaves behind in such an inspiring legacy and uh, Sam Gordon who his management his management firm represented David Patton he revealed to Mike Reese from ESPN that he'd spoken with his wife they're all heartbroken understand and understandably so and but his mark on humanity and his Mark on the football field, I mean, that, that's a life well lived. Even though it was too short, it's definitely a life well lived. So thank you, David Patton, for all the memories. Um, so that's it. That's a podcast. Uh, you can email us, <laughs> um, Vinny or anyone else at EntitledTown at gmail.com. Please don't be shy. 
of the season is just getting kicked off. So hopefully we'll be able to get some more emails in. Uh, I am at Atomic Dog 5150. Scarty is at Pat Scartell. Dan is at Patriots Daily. And the two Iron Iron Brothers who are, you know, lounging around doing nothing. Um, I think they're is, having a uh, bar pie uh, <laughs> contest somewhere. Yeah, probably smothering the pie on themselves, you know. It is what it is on that regard. Oh, but John is at that John Irons. And of course, Mike is at Ironhead. Uh, what is that? <laughs> yeah, he's at Ironhead somewhere. If you're not following him, you should. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, guys, I think that's it. Right? 334. 334. 334. Yeah, maybe you should change it to Ironhead. You know, the other one's that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, until then, thanks for listening. And as always, you better just turn off your radios. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.